Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. Oh, go with me, your Bible, to 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23. If you didn't bring your Bible, you could do one of the smartest things your smartphone could do, and that's download the, the Bible on it so that you can bring it with you everywhere. And open it up to 2 Samuel chapter 23. And go with me to one of the most peculiar stories, the one, one of the stories that has had me scra- scratching my head a time or two as I have read it. Hopefully today I bring a little bit of revelation to it. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 23, talking about King David, that's the same David who you know from children's books that he defeated Goliath and he would go on to become a king, but his very own son um, would try to take the throne from him. And he would run from time to time in his life. Um, and this is one of those times that he is running away. And it says in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15, David is in the outskirts in, in a desert. And he remarked longingly to his men, oh, how I would love some of that good water. Somebody say Pellegrino. <laughs> Come, Oh, I love some of that. Fiji water from the springs of Gideon Springs, from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three, we'll talk about the special three, but just to kind of catch you up on what I didn't show you in this chapter, everything in this chapter before this verse described how incredible those three men are. These are like the elite of the elite. They are they are men's, man's men right here. It says, the three broke through the Philistine lines. That would be the enemy's lines. They were besieged. And they broke through those lines, drew some water from the Pellegrino well, come on, <laughs> by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out. Someone say, pour it out. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. Man, my mouth's a little bit dry. Could somebody bring me a a bottle of water real quick? Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Y'all give it up for Brian giving me that water. Thank you, Brian. You are the man. That's about how you feel right now. Is it about how I feel every time I read this story? I'm wondering, what? (laughs) if, if, If I asked you... It would be awesome if you brought me a latte today, which, by the way, one of our dream teamers just randomly thought of me, texted my wife and asked, what kind of latte does does Drew like? Brought me an iced Americano latte, and you know what I did? The biblical man that I am, I thanked her so very much, held it in front of her, and I just poured that thing out because I saw David did that. You're like, you did not. That's how I feel as I read this scripture. It's been one of those head scratchers for me for a long time. Like, 
that's pretty, that's pretty low. That's kind of insulting. Why, why is this in our, in our text? And uh, I, I have noticed a few things from it as I've tried to meditate on it and hear what God has to share from it. And I've found two things that I want to open up today. And one of them is you, you will find that some gifts are just too much for our egos to consume. Some gifts are just too much for our egos to consume. And the second thing is, what do you do when you give so much like these three did, and all it is is thrown out or not even appreciated? <laughs> you ever been there before? And um, you, you, you provide, you work hard, you're thoughtful, you try, to, you try to live right or make the right comments only for somebody to ignore it, throw it out, or over. Look it. I think we all can relate to probably both of these sides today. If you would, just pray with me. God, open up our hearts to receive what you're trying to speak to us today. Father, I pray that um, we would be different as a result of hearing this message. Father, would you work on us and let us look more like you by the end of it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone agree with that said? Amen. Amen. I hope you take notes when you come to church. Number one, it helps you to remember better. And number two, you'll stay awake in these most comfortable chairs in this low lighting called a theater. And it'll help out a little bit. And also because note takers are history makers. I'm not sure about it. It just rhymes. And so I go with it. All right. And you're like, man, that's profound. Let me write that down. <laughs> note takers. Okay. So um, two cups from this story, two cups I see that we all must pour out in our life. The first one that we have to pour out is the cup of praise. Everybody, oh, everybody hold your hand out like you're holding the cup and just go ahead and I saw someone just hold out their hand who did have a cup. Don't, don't turn it out in this theater unless we need mop on aisle J. Come on in the theater. So listen, we got to get used to pouring out the cup of praise. How honoring is it to have three of the most elite men alive? I'm talking about they have the credentials of all credentials. They've done incredible things. They have defeated incredible giants. They are man's men. And when David is just kind of in a grumpy mood, maybe having a stick, wandering it around in the sand, and he just kind of mumbles, just, man, what I'd love for some of those drinks from the Bethlehem well. All this water, nasty. It's got that egg water taste. Come on, somebody can relate. Can somebody testify up in here? Whoa, come on. You're just like, I don't want to taste that no more. I'm with some of that water from back there. And these three men perk up. You want that? I'll go for you. No, you can't do that. It's behind enemy lines. You might lose your life just for a cup of bottled water. Yeah, I'll be fine. No. If it means that much to you, I'll go get it. How honoring is it to have three elite men b risk their lives and bust through to bring you back a cup of water? <laughs> Here you go. Here you go, David. Man, got a few scars. It was a close call. Got a lot of stories to tell. And David receives it. He goes, man, you guys are incredible. Why? The Bible says that he pours it out as an offering unto the Lord. In other words, all of us long for affirmation. 
There is not a single person in here or listening who doesn't long for it. Every kid longs for it. It's part of growing up and becoming healthy is when we are surrounded by affirmation and people who see greatness in us or something great about us. And all of us kind of perk up. All of us kind of hold our chest high. All of us feel honored when someone affirms us. Let's try it this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you are incredible. Come on. It's just like, all right, all right, okay. I'm going to hopefully teach you how to pour that out. Because what happens is we can get to a point in life when people give us uh, cups of praise where we can start drinking our own praise. Oh, yeah. I am one incredible person. <laughs> You know, and, and we start drinking too much of it, and the problem is the more we drink it, the more we get drunk and intoxicated on our own praise and need for affirmation to the point that we start needing it, might we also start craving it. Been around somebody who craves it a little bit too much, and you kind of like back up, back up a little bit. I know what you're after, but can you just chill? You might need to go to the Father in heaven because you have been drinking too much of your own Kool-Aid. Come on. It's like the, the Samaritan woman in the New Testament who Jesus met by a well. I don't think it's ironic and I don't think it's a coincidence that she was by a well trying to get just a cup of water for her and, and to bring back home. And Jesus meets her and he says, you've been living off of the waters of all the men in your life. That's why you got five or six husbands now because... We Whenever this man tells you you're beautiful, you take it, you drink it, you live with him for a while, you marry him, and then he forgets to affirm you, or things go south, so you start drinking the cup of this man, and you drink this man, and you drink this situation, and you drink from this boss, and you drink from this job, and you drink from this social post, and you drink from this accolade, and you drink from this, and that's why you hung up going, man, when I was in high school, I'm telling you. I was incredible. Okay, you know, and, and it's because we're looking for another cup of affirmation and praise. And many of us know that that's not a healthy place to live in. The only way that our egos can handle this is to realize this is too much for me to consume. It is like the blood of three elite men. And so since I am going to respond like David, I must pour this out lest I start drinking it. And become intoxicated on needing praise every single day. Listen, it is a good thing to receive praise. It is a good thing to give praise. But has anybody ever noticed that sometimes um, it can be weird to receive praise? Come on, listen. Whether you're praised for your looks, your talents, your achievements, or your character, you have got to learn to pour it out. Okay, so how do I pour it out? Two simple steps. Number one is to receive it. I love that David didn't just go, you brought me the cup from there and smack it out your hand. You're trying to bring sin into my camp. How dare you honor me so highly? Come on, I can't drink all this. No, he wasn't weird with it. Tell your neighbor, don't be weird with praise. Christians can be weird with praise, y'all. You have a lovely voice. Tis voice, oh, man, my mouth was dry and it was a little bit raspy and everything and I just, I just couldn't do it. What you have just said is you are an idiot that wasn't very good. <laughs> you have just insulted 
the complimenter. Man, I love those shoes. These shoes, I just got them from Walmart. They just they were on they were on sale, and it was just not all that much. You just like stop being weird with affirmations. Stop being weird. Some of us actually have a spirit of poverty. That anytime someone sees the God in us, the God attributes in us, the God gifts in us, the God talents, we have a way of diminishing what God put in us. That, that message, that was nothing. Some of us have a spirit of pride where you receive affirmation and it's, I did earn it. I worked really hard for that. I went to school for that. I did this for that. I did that for that. I worked, blah, blah, blah. and you're just like, all right, brother. <laughs> So your role just a little bit like that's the last time I bring you praise, right? Because some people can be a little bit weird with praise. Um, the first thing to do is receive it. Two weeks ago, we had Youth Sunday, Youth Takeover Sunday. How many of y'all thought our young people did an amazing job leading us in worship? And, and, and Pastor JT taught an amazing message. Our students pastor taught an amazing message and heard people respond to it. I met with all of our youth team who were running cameras and, and playing all the equipment and singing and running sound. And I met with all of them beforehand. I said, now when you're done, some people are going to appreciate the gifts God has put in you. They're going to say afterward, that was a great job. Don't be weird with it. Here's all you do. Just say, thank you. But can I tell you something, a piece of advice that I try to live by, because I'm not immune to this either. The moment you receive that praise, say thank you, and when you turn around, give it back to God. You've got to pour it out, or you will be looking for, only one person said they liked my voice. Not two people. Only one person liked my post. Not two people. Only one person shared my post. Only, I worked so hard on that report today, and my boss didn't notice it, and I didn't know this, and my husband didn't see this, and my spouse didn't see this, and my kids don't see everything that I do for them. And what happens is we start searching for affirmation because we, we've got to realize that anything we do receive is a gift from God, and we've got to receive it, and then we've got to step two, pour it out. Uh, I, I was, um, just two weeks ago, a lot of our staff, we went down to Birmingham, and we got to hear one of the greatest authors and speakers of our time on leadership, John Maxwell. If you've not read any of John Maxwell's books, you should buy one and do yourself a favor. He is an incredible uh, leadership guru, and one of the things that he does, he used to be a pastor, but now he is the most sought-after leadership speaker in, in, like, maybe even globally. And so he goes all throughout the nation going into secular corporations to teach them leadership. And what he does is he, he invests in them for, for five, um, um, five sessions, and then he says, I, 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 will, I will ask anyone that there is an optional sixth session that I've asked to do. And if you'd like to know where I get my leadership principles from, I'm just asking you as a favor, you'd come back to the sixth session. When you get to the sixth session, which, by the way, 95% of the people choose to go to the sixth session, he then gets there and he says, everything that I just shared for, uh, came from the Bible. I get all my greatest leadership from there, and he says, I just wish you had the joy that I have. And, and, and he leads so many people into salvation right there in the jobs they're in. Now, here's one of the things he told us. He said, when people give me a standing ovation after a speech, I realize this is not a standing ovation for John Maxwell. God put every last gift in me. They have mistaken my gifts for God himself. 
And so he says, as he receives the praise, he is literally telling God as he walks off the stage, that standing ovation was for you, God. They have mistaken it for you, God. And I give you all of the praise. Revelations 4, verse 11 says, all of heaven cries out, you, say you. You are worthy to receive all glory and all honor and all power. Someone say all. Give them all of it, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. The next time you feel your chest puffing up with pride, that is a natural thing. My, I, let that now become a trigger that, that when I turn my back, I need to pour it out. When I get back into my car, I need to pour it out. I, did, I, I receive it, and then I pour it out to God like David did. Amen? Does that help somebody? Okay, well then let's turn our attention to the other side because that part's a little bit more difficult. <laughs> so when you're given a cup of praise like David, you pour it out. But if you risk your life to bring somebody a bottle of water and they pour it out in front of you. If, if I took that Dream Teamer's latte today and said thank you very much and I poured it out. Guess what cup intangibly just was handed to them to drink next? The cup of offense. You start going, excuse me? You little... <laughs> yeah. Bleep, bleep, come on. Fill in the blank. Come on, not everybody's sanctified up in here, right? You just start going, let me tell you what I think about you. Let me explain to you who you are. Come on. The moment uh, text messages and our group messages start going awry, and all of a sudden it starts turning, and you realize somebody slipped in your hand the cup of offense. And you got to now decide, am I going to start consuming this cup of offense. Or am I, here's the second cup you must pour out. You must pour out the cup of offense. How will you respond when offense knocks at your door? When they don't remember your name. How dare them? You don't remember my name. When they don't remember your birthday. <gasps> Any of y'all got friends in your life who gives you the one week ahead of time reminder that their birthday is coming up and just don't want you to forget. Next Saturday is my birthday, right? And then you forget it. How dare them? Come on, the cup of offense is just like, I just cannot believe them, right? Or, or, or what about when you get overlooked? When you work so hard and it goes unnoticed? When they text everyone else immediately. But when it comes to your text, all I get is three dots just kind of chilling there forever. In a day. Are you going to finish that thought? Are you ever going to hit sin? How come you got time for everybody else, but you don't have time for me? Who put this cup of offense in? And I got to decide if I'm going to drink this or pour it out. Come on. When they comment on everyone else's posts and they don't comment on yours. When they friend everybody else and they defriend you, the nerve. What did I do? Who do they think they are? Somebody slips the cup of offense in our lives, and we all have had this cup in our hand. Only you get to make the decision, am I going to consume this, let it intoxicate me, or am I going to pour this out? 
I think the three mighty men had to pour it out the moment they saw that what they risked their life for just got poured out on the dirt. Like, that's what I am to you. Lower than dirt. Thank you. Thank you for for appreciating what I bring to the table. Luke 17 verse 1 says, It is impossible that no offense should come. Which means, look at everyone in your row. They have been offended before, and they will get offended again. Some of you got offended by some of my examples I've shared today. How dare he say that? <laughs> You'll get offended by me? Uh, we all deal with offense we, we all deal with offense with family members. We all deal with offense where in our workplace. We all deal with offense on social media. We deal with offenses, and it's impossible that no offense should come. So we better decide in advance how we're going to handle it. In fact, write this down. If you don't pre-decide, offense can wreck your life. If you don't pre-decide, offense can wreck your life. If you don't decide, the moment I realize that this cup got slipped into my hands, I have pre-decided, come on, let's get some muscle memory going. This time, hold out a hand with no cup in it, <laughs> all right? Hold out a hand. Let's get some muscle memory going, right? Let's just learn how to do this, that the next time someone slips this cup in my hand, I'm going to pour it out instead of consuming it. Did you know that offense is a bait Satan uses to trap you. In fact, the Bible teaches me and other spiritual leaders to instruct and teach in such a gentle way to difficult people so that um, they will open their hearts to God. It says in 2 Timothy um, 2.26, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Some of us just love to get hooked on a fence. It comes our way. It, 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 it's an opportunity. It's something that we love to consume. Come on, I, I just beach Sunday. I done brought my whole... I'm, I'm ready to go... I'm ready to go fishing. Listen, the Bible says that the word for offense is scandalon, which is the same word referring to the bait that goes on a trap. And now listen, it don't smell so good. It smells much better steamed with Old Bay on it. Somebody help me <laughs> preach up here. But sometimes we like the stench. We like the local gossip. We like the easy stuff to bite on, and we like when it gets dangled up because it's something I like to consume. There's not a single one of us who doesn't like gossip that you're just like, oh, that's appalling to me. No, most of our natural states, uh, most of our natural state is what happened? What did they post? <laughs> what do they need prayer for? Put me on the prayer team, Pastor Drew. <laughs> I just want to know what's going on so I can consume something a little bit foul and smelly listen when we go to the beach tonight you might see some fishing because bait is to attract a fish to bite on something that will trap them and what god uh, what satan does is he puts offense 
and he conceals a hook on the inside so that we come up and go, oh, that looks refreshing to my soul. That looks like a cup that I'd like to drink. And the moment we bite it, we are hooked. The Bible says that, uh, I'll reread that scripture. Uh, then, if you preach in a way that they understand, then they might come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. Come on. For they have been held captive by him. We think this tastes good in the moment. And doggone, is the worst part about fishing, getting all tangled up. I don't, I don't have no patience for it. Somebody got some patience for it. Listen, we get, we, we, we like, oh, this is good. I'm free. I'm free, pastor, until we realize I'm not free. I'm hooked. And, and this is good for my soul until we realize I'm hooked. Until we realize I got a fence. And you know what I have noticed about a fence is it's one of the hardest things to see in the mirror. Have you noticed certain character traits are hard to see in yourself? Any of y'all met people who willingly came to you? I think I'm offended. <laughs> I think... I am salty towards a lot of people. That rarely happens. A few, a few people do. Most of the time, it's something you see on somebody else, and they get offended when you share with them that you think they're offended. <laughs> right? <laughs> can, can I get a witness? And, and so what that means is that we've got to have some trusted friends in our lives, some accountability that we can trust, that even when we go, I'm not hooked, there's nothing wrong with me. I can do, I can go without hearing any more of this. What is their prayer request? Okay, anyway, uh, I, I, I don't need to know about it. I don't need social media. I don't need this stuff. And, and, and when we tell them we're not hooked, they're going, you got a hook in your mouth, bro. <laughs> you, you, you are hung up on something and you can't get out of it. And, and, and so I, I want to help you. Here's how I put it. it is here are four ways to help a friend pour out the cup of offense. Because like I said, it's really hard to see it on yourself in the mirror. And so when a trusted friend comes to you or when you need to be a friend to somebody else who's got a hook in their mouth and they don't even realize it, we need to do four things. And Matthew chapter 18 goes out of its way to describe how to deal with a brother or sister when you are offended with them. In other words, the Bible saying, I know you'll have this problem. You will bite the bait at some point in your life. And so let me give you procedures. Let me give you a how-to guide on how to get out of it that is not based on how you feel in the moment. Number one, he says in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20. You study it for yourselves. Just write that down, 18, 15 through 20 in Matthew. Number one, stop them. The moment your friend brings to you something that you realize you are not a part of the direct solution for, I got two words for you, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T, stop it, stop them. It's, it's right then and there that you got to go, oh wait, this is not about me, it's about them, hold up right there. I don't know that I'm the right audience for this. Have you ever, if your kids came up to me at 10.30 a.m. in the morning and said, Pastor Drew, um, can I have some ice cream? 
I am not the right person for them to come to with that question or that concern. I'm going to send them to the right person, their parents. Unless you're a grandparent and you chuckle under your breath because you think it's hilarious to sugar up our kids and then send them back home and go, <laughs> that's so funny. I would have never done that to my kids. But <laughs> They're bouncing off the walls, singing all kinds of songs on your way home. You're like, who gave them the right to bring? Listen, you've got to bring it to the right person. So you got to stop someone who's offended with somebody else and say, hold up. It doesn't sound like I'm the right person. I, 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 I need to direct you to the right person. Here's my definition of gossip. Because I don't think we talk about it very much in the church today, but it's a very big problem in the Bible. My definition of gossip is anytime people talk about something, they are unwilling or unable to be a part of the solution. My definition of gossip is anytime people talk about something that they are unable or unwilling to be a part of the solution. Yeah, we just going and and I'm going to pray for them doesn't qualify. <laughs> right? We got to realize that I might be entering into gossip and it's and it's 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 something we got to get right because look at what Proverbs 22 says. Don't hang out with angry people. I might substitute offended people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. When we meet people who got a hook in their mouth, the worst thing you could do is bite the same hook and get hooked too. Now all we are done is hooked into gossip circles where nobody's going to be a part of the solution, but boy, are we going to build rapport against them. Boy, are we going to talk about it. Boy, are we going to post about it. Boy, are we going to do this stuff. Come on. We, in fact, write this down. Not everything that is offered to you is yours. Not everything offered to you is yours. And when gossip comes to you, it's not yours. It's not offered to you. I remember years ago, I read the most bizarre story I ever read. And I said, I'm keeping this because this will preach, even though it's the dumbest thing I've ever. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that because if you suffer from this, I did not mean to insult but I read about the uh, medical worker, um, the dental nurse, who ate 4,000 washing up sponges. Her diet, you heard me right. I, I thought the same thing as I read the headline. Her diet became eating sponges. It is a very rare eating disorder called pica, where you, you want to eat inedible things like coal, sand, furniture, or washing up sponges. And I was just like, this is a very bizarre thing. And the woman testified how it made her feel. She said this, I had shocking stomach cramps, constipation, and diarrhea. How shocking. <laughs> the doctor said she had seriously damaged her digestive system. And I wonder how many of us have seriously damaged our spiritual system by eating and consuming things that was never ours to eat in the first place. You go, that is the bait of Satan. I'm not biting on it today. I'm not damaging my spirit. And I also want to help you not to damage your spirit anymore. Number one, stop them. Number two, ask them. Ask them, have you shared this with them? This sounds like a concern that you should bring to them. Have you brought it to them? Now, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 15, if another believer sins against you, go privately to them. Not your prayer circle. 
not the next group of people that you can air dirty laundry with. Come on. The Bible says to go privately to them and point out the offense. We don't go in public and we don't go to others. We go to them. You ever, you ever been in those um, um, uh, prayer requests where it's like, can you pray for Jenny and her husband? They got big marriage problems. You know what you think about next when you get that? It looks like this. So I can, uh, you know, pray better. <laughs> Why don't you tell me more? Did he do what? Did she, was it adultery? Was it pornography? Did he talk bad to her? Is he hitting her? Come on. And, and listen, all this extra information is not for us to consume. It is now at the point that you say, hold up. Have you talked to them about it? I love that on our prayer team, when I share your prayer requests with them, I normally ask you first, do I have permission to share this with our prayer team? But the leader of our prayer team will always write me back. Did they give me permission to pass this on? In other words, I don't want to be the spreader of gossip or offense. And so um, we can't skip this, guys, because if you skip it, they'll just go to another gossip receiver and they'll repeat the same mistake. Number three, if they come back to you, number three is ask them again. In other words, repeat step two. You say, did you take this to them? Just because a week's gone by or just because a day's gone by and, and we haven't discussed it in a while doesn't mean it's okay to bring it back to me just because some time has passed. Have you gone to them yet? And if they say, no, I haven't gone to them, it's too hard, I don't think they'll listen or anything, then maybe ask them this question, what job have you hired this grudge to do? You are hiring this grudge to give you a result. What result are you hoping for by keeping this grudge in your life? You're like, Pastor Drew, that's a little direct. That's a little, I thought, isn't just listening to them, helping them. Well, I, I say write this down. If they, aren't will, if they are unwilling to do step two, it's only a matter of time before they start, start talking about you too. If they are unwilling to do step two, it's only a matter of time before they start talking about you two. And that's why we have to emphasize step two. Brother, Christian, sister, hey, I know that must have hurt, but let me stop you right there before you share any more details. I don't really think I'm part of the solution. I think you need to go talk to them. And when they come back to you a week later, you just say, did you talk to them yet? And if they're like, no, nah, I didn't talk to them yet because I just don't ask them, what, what have you hired this grudge to do? 1 Corinthians 5.11 says, You must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is a slanderer among other things. Do not even eat with such people. In other words, you should not continually dine with someone who's just coming to slander someone else. You shouldn't. You should just say, hey, listen, I'm willing to disciple you, and I'm willing to walk alongside you. But the moment you decide to no longer be discipled and to do what disciples do, I'm going to give my attention to someone else who will do what disciples do. But I'm not going to have you over to just have a pity party talking about this person all the time until you go to them. Right? I know it's a little direct, but we need some of this discipleship in our life. We don't need more of social media. We need more one-on-one face-to-face conversation. And then finally, number four, if they did go to the other party and it didn't go well, number four, ask if they want you to go too. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 16, 
If you are unsuccessful talking one-on-one, take one or two other brothers with you and go back again. This is where you got to be willing to get into the game, to disciple a Christian through this. And you just say, hey, it didn't go well talking to your spouse. Hey, it didn't go well talking to your kids. Hey, it didn't go well talking to your boss. Would you like for me to go along with you? Sometimes having a third party in the room helps calm people down. And can I say a quick moment real quick? Christians have been fearful of counselors for a very long time. We like to tell people that if you need a counselor, you don't have enough faith. Your faith needs to get bigger. Can I tell you my wife and I have a counselor. I go to counsel all the time and I refer people to counseling. You want to know why? Because sometimes a counselor is just a second or third party in the room who's just saying, I'm willing to go with you too. You tried talking to this person about your grievance. It didn't work and that's why you say, I think we need to do counseling together. I'm trying to help some people in here who's got some grievances. How about we go to counseling together? That counselor is not a scary person. And it's not a a person for messed up people. It's a person for people dealing with offenses. And we just say, hey, listen, would you sit in the same room? They don't even have to talk. I just want to share what I tried to share with you before. I didn't think it was received very well. Is this helping anybody? Because there's two cups that we have to pour out because they're no good for our souls. They will intoxicate your spirit. And and, and God wants you to have a holy spirit. So you got to, number one, pour out the cup of praise. And number two, you got to pour out the cup of offense when it gets handed to you. Amen. Can I pray over you? Would you open up your hands right now in a receiving fashion as I just pray over you? Father, I want to do some warfare right now. Father, for those who have been hurt, for those who have drunk too much of the cup of praise or offense. Father, I'm asking right now, Holy Spirit, you do the surgery you can do. You do the healing that you can do. Father, I pray over your people right now in person and at home. Father, those who have drunk too much of the cup of praise. Father, with that spirit of pride, will you break the hardest heart and help us to pour it out. Father, we repent right now of drinking too much of our own Kool-Aid and we give you the glory for what you did. All of the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory, all of the gifting, all of the abilities, all of the context that helped me to succeed, that helped me to win, that helped me do a good job, that helped me stand out. All of it was from you and we repent of the times that Father we drank too much of it and kept it for ourselves. Father we repent of constantly needing more when you the whole time were like the Samaritan woman who said if you'll only drink of my water you will never thirst again father we pour out right now the cup of affirmation we thank you for those who have given it but most importantly the most affirming thing that could ever be done was Jesus dying on the cross for our sins so that we can have healing fulfillment and purpose father we praise you right now in Jesus mighty name Lord when the cup of offense came into our lives father give us strength to forgive those that we took up offense with. 
Father, when people did us wrong or when people hurt us, Lord, we don't make light of it. But, Father, it's a tough thing to turn our forearm over and to pour it out. Father, when we have been rightfully done wrong by, help us pour out offense. Father, when we feel overlooked, when we feel neglected, when we feel missed, when we feel like we constantly pull the short end of the straw, when we feel like other people are, are, are speaking with the wrong tone or missing us, Father, would you help us, each one of us, myself included, pour out the cup of offense. Father, would you help us not drink it? Help us not stew on it. Help us not get drunk on it. But in Jesus' name, would you help us pour it out? And for those of us who have already drunk it, Father, I pray no weapon formed against us will prosper. We pray the exposing of it right now, that the light of heaven is putting a spotlight on the hooks that we have in our mouth, that no more can we eat from the bait and the trap of Satan. But in Jesus' name, I repent every sentence formed against you that you would bring redemption in our life you're the God of restoration you're the God of new beginnings you're the God who makes new things new God old things new and so father I pray if we bid on the offense before we pray Holy Spirit that you take the hook out of our mouth and let us never drink from that cup again father we repent of not doing it your way by trying to do it the world's way but the world's way doesn't work and we just get trapped. Satan, we serve you notice that your ways and your weapons have just been exposed. And I pray your people are free because it was for freedom that Christ died to set you free. Let freedom reign in Jesus' name. And everybody received that say, amen. And before we move on from this moment, come on, I feel the Holy Spirit in here. And I pray that some of you, you just got free. Man, even as I was speaking about offense and pride, God just started showing you some different things that you've consumed. And I want to tell you, our God is not a spirit of condemnation. He is a spirit of conviction. And so he brings that to the table so that you just bring it to him in repentance. And when you simply say, God, I had no business drinking of that cup. God, I had no business taking in that offense. God, I had no business keeping that praise for myself. It was all for you. When you repent of it, God releases you from it. In fact, I want to pray this over a few people in this room who I know the Holy Spirit's been working on. That God wants to give you times of refreshing. That your guilt and shame of always feeling caught up is going to come to an end. Acts 3.19 says this. One of my favorite stories about refreshing. You, you know, you think about when you get into the beach and when a wave comes. And it's been a hot day. When a wave comes over you and washes over you, you feel refreshed listen Acts 319 says repent and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out come on washed away taken off of you that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord God wants to refresh your soul today God wants to wash off every sin today I love that one of the great preachers Charles Finney said that when he gave his life to Jesus Christ he described it as a wave of liquid love washed over me is what he felt. 
I want you to receive that kind of refreshing today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to call you for it and I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to give you an opportunity to be forgiven today of any sin that you might have committed. Number one, he lifts. God's in love with you. But number two, he wants you to give his, your life to him and, and, and repent of all your sins and come to him. And the Bible says he will wipe it away. With every head bowed, every eye closed, without any hesitation, if you want to receive forgiveness of your sins today and you want to come and give your life to Jesus Christ, would you just throw your hands up in the air right now just so I know who I'm praying for today? Yes, yes, come on, I see you. Yes, I see you. Thank you so much for courage in this room. Even online, I know people making decisions. Don't stay where you're at. Don't stay in condemnation. God wants to bring freedom to you today, and I want to in introduce you to a new relationship where he's just going to love on you. Anybody else? Just one more second. I feel like i got to wait. Anybody say, that's me too. Include me too. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I'm seeing decisions being made. Come on, church. Can we celebrate the decisions and the boldness people are making today? Hey, for everyone who raised their hand, for everybody who wanted to raise their hand, and for everybody online who said, that's me too, we're going to pray a prayer together as a church. And I want you to lean into this prayer because this prayer is not magical if you just say it. It's only matters if you say it by faith and you believe every word. So our whole church will pray along with you. Let's all pray out loud, repeating after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I know I have sinned. I've fallen short of your standard. I'm not living it right. And I've made mistakes. But I ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And he paid my sin's price by dying for me on the cross. He was whipped instead of me. He was bruised instead of me. He bled instead of me. And he died instead of me to give me new life. So my old life is dead and my new life has come. I am forgiven and washed clean by the blood of Jesus that he spilled for me. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen and amen.